Well, howdy, folks. Welcome to Michael Perry's voicemail, episode number 122. Out the window of my little room above the garage here, I can see the pole barn I've been filling up and cleaning out and filling up and cleaning out for about 15 years now. Here lately, I've made a little more progress on the second half of that equation than ever. I turned some kind of corner where I'm questioning sentimentality. And part of that means heartlessly ridding myself of things I think I love, but haven't unboxed for over a decade. Plus, some of it has been unboxed by mice. So it just needs to go. Anyways, I was in that process when I came across a box of hats and caps. And I'd actually forgotten. There, there was a time when I had a hat and cap collection, pretty, pretty prodigious one. It started in high school, and I, I built little hat racks all around the walls of my bedroom. Actually, I just nailed one by two pine strips to the paneling and, and then half-sunk little brad nails into the strips, and they stuck out, and they were my hooks. So I'm going through this box, and I'm snapping a picture of each cap before I chuck it into the gots-to-go box. When I come across a hat that brought back a flood of memories... But it also sent me in a more unexpected direction of recollection, having to do with my mom, and then eventually my own role as a parent. See, here's the deal. In high school, there was a certain kind of leather, kind of cowboy, kind of safari hat, kind of outlaw hat that all the cool people were wearing. And it was creased so that the brim flopped down in the front. I think it was kind of left over from 1970s southern rock bands. And there there was simply no way that I could afford a hat like that, nor did our family have the money to spend on things like that. But my mom knew that I wanted one. Or maybe I asked, I don't recall. But she ordered a pattern, and even that, makes me feel loved because you didn't just Google up a pattern on the internet in those days. She probably had to go to Shatek to the Ben Franklin where they sold the Butterick patterns and she probably even had to order that one. But anyways, she she sewed me one of them floppy cowboy hats out of Naugahyde. Naugahyde was the fabric of the 70s. And you can see that hat in the picture that accompanies this voicemail. I'd completely forgotten about that hat. And when I pulled it out of the box, I felt that little time quake you experience when you unearth an item from the past and it either comes rushing back to you or or you go rushing back to then. But I also noticed a lump in my throat. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't standing there bawling or anything, but just that touch of sweet gratitude that clenches at your throat a little bit. Because for the first time, I was looking at that cap as a parent. And instead of my own memories of that hat, I envisioned my mother seeking out the pattern, scraping up some money to buy that naugahyde, and then bending to her sewing machine and doing her best to recreate an affordable version of what her kid wanted. And of course, I thought of my own children. And that fine line, so many of us parents, and man, I have had this conversation with so many parents over the last decade. The fine line that so many of us run between the desire to fulfill our children's every desire, still meet our budgets, 
and meet our concern that they take nothing for granted. My wife and I have talked a thousand times about the challenge of instilling grit or its equivalent in our children and, and the modern day challenges of creating and allowing want, just, just not getting everything you want immediately. And we, we like to think of ourselves as frugal in our family and relatively non-indulgent, but the fact is our kids have and get things that would have required my dad to refinance the farm back in the day. So that Naugahyde hat, that wasn't the half of it. When I, when I dug deeper into the box, I found at least two other caps sewn by my mom, a striped engineer's cap and a cap with a, a denim cap with a snap brim. And when I studied the stitching, I thought again of mom in our old farmhouse there with six or eight kids to feed, clothe, and care for that day alone including some with profound special needs. And who knows what all other imminent responsibilities and worries. But there she was, carefully turning that fabric and guiding it to the needle, just so her kid could have something that would give him happiness, even if it was fleeting. And she didn't just do this for me. There, there was also a time when beer can hats were popular. And not only was mom not going to buy beer, we were a teetotal home, but she, she wasn't going to buy those hats. But she found a pattern, once again, a hole punch, some yarn, and, and a tin snips. And she knit us up the homemade alcohol-free version of those caps, as, again, you can see in the photos accompanying this voicemail. There was also a time in grade school when knitted sweater vests, they, they actually looked more like knitted tank tops, really, were popular. And once again, mom didn't buy them, she knitted them. My gratitude as I look at these things is also tinged with a shade of shame. Nothing dramatic or requiring therapy. But I just know that of all my siblings, I was definitely the vain one. I cared about stylistic things. Uh, you would, you'd never know it to see me out in public now. And mom did such a good job of walking that, again, that fine line of not overindulging me. Although you might want to ask my other siblings about their perspective on that. But acknowledging how it is when a kid wants to fit in. When I wanted a, le a letter jacket in high school and we saw the price in the catalog, there was just no way that that money was available or if it was, would be spent on that. But, so mom sewed me a letter jacket, complete with, you guessed it, Naugahyde sleeves. When I wanted a cool satiny disco shirt with animals on it, she sewed one. That letter jacket, I, I do remember, it didn't fit or look exactly like the cool leather-armed ones, but I remember even in my high school vanity phase, understanding what mom had done for me, and I don't remember wishing I had a real one. I, I wore the one she sewed happily and was grateful for it. And I think part of that came from her honesty, teaching me that we can, we can make some accommodations, but that we take care of our responsibilities first whether that's about feeding the kids or paying the bills or trying to fit in. And when I see this stitching on that denim cap, I studied it pretty closely, and I realized that's my mom sitting down and working hard for my happiness. She's indulging me and teaching me all at once. And that finally brings me to the idea of how we instill grit and gratitude in our children. And I don't pretend to have the answers or the chutzpah to do a conference on the subject. 
But it does lead me to say that we've tried to thread the needle as best we can, and, and thus the final photos of this voicemail of my youngest daughter, who was recently allowed and earned an unexpected opportunity. But before that particular wish was granted, she had to stack the woodshed full of wood, and, and then she had to paint the woodshed. Just doing the little things we can. I'm so grateful for my mom and the things she did decades ago that still fill my heart. And I hope one day my daughter will look back at that wood stacking and paint swabbing fondly. The objects I stored so long in those boxes were weighing me down even when I wasn't in their presence. As memories, they're weightless. No, even, even better, they're uplifting. I sure appreciate you listening. I appreciate my mom. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm just going to say what we always say, even after a long rambling voicemail like this one, we just say, well, I suppose. Forward.